name is David Hershkovitz. I'm the founder of Paper Magazine, and this is the Light Culture Podcast. Listen, learn, and stay ahead of the curve as I knock heads with cultural disruptors of the past, present, and future. Light Culture is brought to you by Burb, the Vancouver-based cannabis and apparel brand. Adam22, I have to say, you're a very unique figure in the media landscape. As far as your personal story goes, that alone is so out of the box and worthy of a Netflix series. You've been described in one article as a professional hustler, I'm going to get back to that later, who's already had several lifetimes worth of guises, graffiti artist, online poker player, drug dealer, high-profile BMX blogger, you're heavily tattooed, married to a porn star, and about to have your first child. And it goes on, seriously. You've also become a celebrity yourself, thanks to the wild success of the No Jumper podcast and YouTube channel. You are described as underground hip-hop's major tastemaker. You say your job is to create the conversation the world wants to hear. So let's do it. Where are you now, and how involved have you been in the protests? Welcome, Adam. So I'm in my back house right now, just sort of in my environment back here, just, uh, you know, working on stuff, doing emails, handling all that kind of stuff. Um, I have not yet been to a protest. My girlfriend, it was her birthday over the weekend, and she is pregnant, and she would realistically have been extremely angry with me if I had abandoned her birthday for the protest. So, yeah, I haven't actually uh, dove in on actually going out, but I, uh, I did donate uh, a, you know, an amount that I felt was significant, and I've been spending a lot of time sort of thinking about how I can make content that will interact with this time that we're at in American history. I've been doing a bunch of research today, kind of working on my uh, my George Floyd video that I have uh, prepared, just trying to talk to some people. I know some people that knew him and stuff, like uh, Trey the Truth, for example. So I'm thinking of uh, kind of digging in there and trying to get a little bit more in-depth as my way of contributing to the discourse regarding this. And also, thank you for the uh, extremely congratulatory uh, introduction. I'm not sure I deserve <laughs> that, but thank you. Oh, yeah, you earned it, man. Trust me. It's, it's very original. But what are you hearing, you know, in terms of what people are sharing privately or even publicly because of so many issues that are coming in our faces on a regular right now and people discussing whether it's intruders, the looting, the, the protests versus looting. So what are you hearing now? Is there like a general agreement about anything at this point? You know, that's a, that's a fair question. I think that it's a tough conversation to even have publicly because of the fact that there are so many different groups that are being conflated and compared to each other and whatnot. Well, let's just start with the obvious is that we've seen, you know, mind-blowing police brutality, both as the original catalyst for this, as well as a lot of the stuff that we've seen go down at the actual protests and whatnot. So obviously I'm horrified by that, but I, I got to admit that I'm also pretty horrified seeing people, uh, use this all as cover to do, you know, the, the looting type stuff. I saw a lot of people that I worked alongside on Melrose and Fairfax having their businesses just absolutely destroyed. And, you know, I, I, I feel, you know, I can understand the rage, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's just a huge bummer to see people who are real 
participants in the community sort of becoming victims to this. Like, you know, I'm not necessarily in favor of anybody uh, smashing the Gucci store, but I, I, I can understand it in terms of smashing up round two or Sorella. I'm uh, a little less convinced, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard because you don't want to conflate the people who are really just out here protesting with the people who are sort of using this as cover. And a lot of the people I see doing, uh, you know, like when I'm watching this white guy wearing body armor, uh, burning down a auto zone, to be real, this guy does not look like a Black Lives Matter protester to me. And I'm much more inclined to believe that he's some sort of anarchist fuckhead or, uh, you know, a, a fucking supporter that just wants to stir shit up or whatever. Yeah. So you think there are people like that out there uh, who are, you know, that devious to go and plant themselves within these groups and create havoc to just uh, fuck shit up. Yeah, and I think for sure there's a lot of different groups. And I mean, I've just seen too many videos of uh, somewhat peaceful black protesters just demanding that basically anarchists, for lack of a better word, stop sort of commandeering their movement and that was what I heard from a lot of my friends who were at the protest when I talked to them is that they would just keep seeing the same cycle over and over of some white guy throwing a brick through a window and then a bunch of black people surrounding him and saying like, hey, fuck you, stop fucking, you know, t- you're taking away from our, our mission of what we're trying to talk about here and whatnot. And I mean, obviously you can't. I know people too that <laughs> I was with a friend of mine and uh he got on FaceTime with somebody and I, I look at the phone and the guy's surrounded by probably a, a couple hundred pill bottles. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? He's like, oh, they, they, they hit a pharmacy last night. I'm like, oh my God. But hey, I mean, I, at the same time, I can't hate on the dude for uh, using the cover of this event to, uh, you know, go hit the local pharmacy. I mean, shit, it, it is what it is. At the end of the day, motherfuckers are broke out here and they got to do what they got to do. And I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about where I would have been in all this if I was 19 right now. And I'm not sure. You're not sure? I, <laughs> I definitely might have a feeling you would have been out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, as an adult uh, business owner, I, I might look at through a slightly different lens now. Yeah, well, and would-be father... Let's just talk about that since it came up because, you know, you're going to bring a, young, a, a baby into the world that's going to be this kind of place where we, we are today. I mean, it's not going to be that different, I suppose, in the next nine months or so, right? Has that brought you introspection, thinking about it, or any things in terms of your life, past, present, or future? It is a little nerve-wracking just because we're at such a chaotic moment in time. However, the other day, honestly, I teared up a little thinking about explaining slavery to like a, you know, whenever they might be old enough to sort of start to understand that or explaining the history of black Mm -hmm. people in America in general. Like how the fuck do you tell a little kid about slavery? I don't remember the first time I had the conversation, but you know, that that's pretty traumatic to even think about having to tell your kid about that. And you know, there, there's just one of the concerns that I've been sort of thinking about. But beyond that, I do think that this is all progress one way or another. And these are conversations that weren't necessarily normal when I was a kid. And as fucked up as shit is, I think that it's probably the best time to be a, uh, a minority in America, which says a lot about the history of minorities in America. But I think that yeah, really. there's the most progress happening right now. And it, I mean, it just says a lot that people are still so dissatisfied with the status quo. But, you know, I, I, I think that 
as much as this might feel painful while it's all occurring, you know, this, this is progress. Let's hope so, right? We could go the other side, but I'm a generally an optimist, so I want to stick with that sentiment. Uh, yesterday, there was this big movement for this Blackout Tuesday, and you're a big you know, social media presence, obviously, on Instagram and elsewhere. And that became a controversy too, right? Because the music industry organized this event. The idea was, well, we're not going to share anything. We're just going to be black. And then you know, so people came up and said, well, I don't know if that's such a good thing because you're actually drowning out all of the protest, the voices, the, the visuals that are help telling the story. How did you feel about all of that? Yeah, I saw like everybody I know uh, posting the black square and I was, you, you know, I mean, I have a big aversion to meaningless ass kissing type shit. Yeah, gestures. Yeah, put your fucking money where your mouth is. Say something that has some fucking meaning. I don't know. I'm just so not impressed by a lot of the displays of support that I've seen from, you know, white people primarily, I guess. It just feels like people are so attracted to posting the, the, the most meaningless shit, trying to get some points. And for me personally, I don't know, the black square thing just kind of didn't feel right. And then, and I read about the, the significance of it and stuff, and I appreciate it. You know, I'm certainly not telling anybody how they should try to enact progress. But yeah, I don't know. There was just something that felt a little hollow about that to me. So I didn't jump right on it. But that being said, there's a conversation that, that's happening. Like I was talking to my, the guy who basically does all of our merchandise the other day. And that was like part of the conversation. He said, he's like, I think a lot of the stuff that we were going to do merchandise wise would probably feel pretty tone deaf right now. Yeah. And I, you know, throughout that conversation, I ended up sort of saying, I'm like, you know, I think they're right. And I think that the, the conversation that we should be having now is like, how do we actually like use our merchandise to support things that people care about and to enact change in the world and stuff like that? How do we partner with organizations who are doing important things? I think that just, you know, it's, it's a positive thing that people are a lot less interested in you know, braggadocious shit and people talking about getting fucked up and people just sort of filling their timelines with meaningless shit. There's a lot of stuff that was standard a few months ago that I feel like would just seem really, really like it was in bad taste now. As a person who uh, is not a big fan of like materialism and shit, that's, I think it's or great. bad taste. I mean, you could get behind some bad taste, I bet, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> I 100% agree. It's, 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 you know, everything that sort of came before or people might have been working on. I mean, it was like COVID also because you got both of those things, you know, like back to back. It's kind of crazy. Have race riots in the middle of a pandemic. Sort of like when people were sort of trying to f figure out, okay, well, how do I, you know, even do a show in the middle of this and not ignore it or give it too much attention or, you know, you sort of have to sort of figure out how you want to be with it. And now here we are again. I mean, even with regard to our show, typically I wouldn't like jump on my guest with asking all these uh, questions about what's you know going on at this moment. We'd be telling more of your story, which I'll get to also. But right now it seems like that's, you have to figure something out and everybody's kind of has to rethink whatever they've been doing. Even the retail industry, which I know you have some of that as well and, and what you're working on, you know, those businesses were not doing so great before obviously covid didn't help this is not going to help 
with your merch, obviously that's something that makes a lot of sense to try to coordinate these two parts of what's going on. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I just, I think that now's a time where people are sort of reconsidering everything. And I think that's ultimately for the good, for the greater good, because there's just so much stuff that sort of has gone unexamined within the culture, uh, not just in hip hop, just a lot of silliness and a lot of stupid shit that's become the status quo. Um, there's too many songs that have, uh, and you know, I'm certainly uh, to be held accountable for this as well, but there's just been so many songs, for instance, that have basically existed for no reason other than to like glamorize drugs over the past mm-hmm. however many years. And I think that that's something that just right there, oh, okay, we're, we're getting to the point where the, the culture seems fed up with that and doesn't want to glamorize stupidity. And, you know, there's a certain extent to which like, you know, the culture just gave rappers a pass on not using their platform for talking about positive stuff. It wasn't considered important. That doesn't feel like the case anymore. Now it feels like, oh, the culture as a whole is expecting people to use their platform for some kind of good. I'm interested to see how that that translates into like the music as we go forward over the next six months or a year. Is there going to be a lot more of an impetus to like have rappers include more conscious content in most of their songs that are on their projects and whatnot. I think that's, that's going to be really interesting to see play out. Conscious rap obviously doesn't have what you've been talking about and what you pretty much tend to have on your show, right? So are you saying that you're reconsidering or reflecting on the kind of guests you might have and trying to incorporate more different uh, attitudes? It definitely makes me just want to have better and more serious conversations on air and to think like, you know, who are people that I can have Uh, you know, really meaningful conversations about race and who are people that hit the intersection between like my audience and maybe like an older, more, more conscious audience. I'm definitely just like kind of trying to figure out, you know, because you've had every reason to slow down with content over the course of the past week or so. And I think that's good to have like a break to sort of reconsider where you're at and what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, maybe two weeks from now, everybody will be totally okay with posting some frivolous shit on social media again. But I think that at least yeah, right now... We hope so, right? Please, we want that too. Yeah, but you, you know, like a lot of the, the hip-hop platforms tend to sort of gravitate towards silly shit. And it's, I think it's just good to have this time period where maybe if you only post positive shit for a, a week because it's kind of considered unpalatable to do otherwise, then maybe that sets a tone for the whole game going forward that, you know, people are just realizing like, oh, it's, it's better to get less views promoting positivity than to get as many views as possible while primarily pushing bullshit. That's obviously something you have to consider too, right? With your audience, because you don't know if people are not going to want to hear all that. Are they going to want to hear the same stories, social justice over and over? A lot of your stories of your guests are very personal. They have great stories. Each one is very different and they're very, you know, for most people like me, certainly not the lifestyle that I've lived at all. And it's sort of a window into another world that I find very interesting and, and important to have out there so that people could actually see the intelligence of a lot of these rappers who are otherwise, you know, their songs may not reflect it a hundred percent, but when you actually get to talk to them, you see that there's really something, a reason why they're doing what they're doing and they're being so successful. 
Uh, which brings me to this other kind of point about black entertainment and entertainers in general right now. They have come up to be the spokespeople for the you know, community at this point. They are the leaders. They are the ones who can hold an audience. They're verbally dexterous. They're charismatic. They're used to speaking to large, addressing large audiences. So suddenly we have like this whole new world of potential leaders that I find very exciting. And, I, you know, someone like Killer Mike, for example, who has, you know, always been that person in my mind, but now has jumped up a notch again with uh, the speech he recently made in Atlanta that everybody, uh, you know, really heard and, and appreciated. Yeah, it's crazy to think about, like, as somebody who's, you know, basically been obsessed with rap music since I was a kid. And, you know, I had a dad who was very much involved in politics. And there was never really much reason to see crossover between the two, uh, the two worlds, you know? And it's, it's pretty amazing, honestly, that there are rappers that my parents know who they are from them taking stands politically. You have somebody like Scarface running for office. You have some, I mean, somebody like Killer Mike almost seems inevitable that he could be in office at some point in his career if he chose to go in that direction. I think there's a lot of people... God, I mean, that's like best case scenario is just to think that like there are so many more people that are going to be of the culture or who are going to see that as a real palette, uh, a real viable path forward is like, oh, maybe I can, you know, have a real role in government as opposed to just being an entertainer. I don't see why not, because it's a natural fit. And also they have the platform of the social media with all those followers. So it's not like they need mainstream media to give them the accessibility, the gatekeepers who would have controlled who actually gets heard. So now it's actually the opposite. You know, people who get heard are the ones who are in social media have the largest audience versus, you know, the CNNs or whoever who are trying to reach these people but have no chance. Right. I mean, the thing is, it's going to be the CNNs that are going to need the killer mics, you know, when they're, when they're looking yeah. for commentators and whatnot. I mean, they're going to get to the point where it's just, it's not going to seem as a useful to you know have like stodgy ex-politician guys when they could have like you know actual relevant right members of the community and whatnot exactly and you know potentially you could be a host of such a show because of your work up until now and you know what i see to be like you know a real talent in in front of the mic and and in, and talking to a, a range of people and uh, now we see joe rogan has has gone and you know made this amazing 100 million dollar deal or whatever with spotify does that wake you up and about what uh, your podcast could be or in general how what you might be doing 5 years from now I mean, the Joe Rogan deal scares me because I don't want to see independent podcasting die. I don't want to see podcasting become like the radio or some shit. You know, that's something that I worry about. It does increase the value of podcasting overall when you see Joe Rogan getting that deal. I fell in love with podcasting from just the basic idea of, you know, having a conversation on camera. I mean, it is nice to know that corporations are valuing that content but at the same time, I think people need to be really careful about aligning themselves with big corporations when it comes to making content because, you know, Joe Rogan might be in the position to not have to uh, mince his words on his podcast. But I know other people who certainly have, who who have gotten uh, podcast deals with Spotify and all of a sudden it's like, oh, 
we got to get this episode reviewed because their board is going to want to have a say about this. And you're opening yourself up to the possibility of being canceled for your opinions and whatnot. I don't know. To me, it it is an interesting time, a little bit scary in general, but I don't know. So you feel that uh, because of your freedom on the podcast, and I guess YouTube also gives you that same kind of uh, freedom to, to do what you want? I would say YouTube has been pretty hard on me in terms of like producing content that might have had like nudity or uh, people doing or talking about drugs in it, um, somewhat understandably. But when it comes to actual like ideas and whatnot, well, no, I can't lie. I mean, I've definitely done podcasts where we we're talking about terrorism and then boom, that just was like basically nobody was seeing that podcast because it was us just talking about and apologies to you if you're going to put this on YouTube and the word terrorism just makes fucking bells go <laughs> off but you know there's a little bit of stuff like Homeland that Homeland Security is going to come visit you and that stuff is a little a little worrisome just that uh, just the idea that you know I could do a good podcast and that 100,000 people are going to see it instead of 500,000 people because we talked about some real shit as opposed to some stupid shit but you know, at the end of the day, I'm not terribly worried about YouTube uh, really like infringing upon my right to say whatever the fuck I want. I don't think that Spotify is necessarily going to give their creators the the longest leash in the same way that YouTube would. But maybe they would. I don't really know. It's just I'm I'm a little worried about it. I'll just say that. And uh, cannabis is that a, a subject that they have any objection to on YouTube? I mean, we've actually yeah. always been able to smoke weed pretty smoke freely on the show. Everything. Yeah, We got demonetized one time because a guy had a pound of weed sitting on the table or there's been times where we've, you know, <laughs> smoked like 40 blunts in the course of a podcast and then we got kind of a bad reaction to that. With regard to cannabis, that is kind of an integral part of the culture from where you started. I mean, I know you did, let's say, poker, you've done BMX, you've had whatever, some kind of drug dealing that you've, you know, admitted to, whatever that was. But cannabis stores were targeted during this street wars, uh, the race wars that have been going on out there. You know, do you feel they should be exempt as, as well? Or how, how do, what's your attitude overall to cannabis? I'm not sure that many of the people who were robbing the, the cookies uh, dispensary were thinking about it like this. But I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, inequality that's really kind of been ushered in through the issuing of these permits to run dispensaries uh, all over LA. You know, I do understand that a lot of, uh, the rioting and the looting and stuff is a reaction to a lot of different things in the system. And I think that, you know, a lot of those people probably don't even give a shit about the fact that cookies is selling $80 eighths. And that if they had to like explain why you might understand that the system that's made marijuana legal has also made it like unbelievably expensive and that a lot of people are not exactly happy about that as well. It's not that I think that the dispensaries should be exempt I think that essential services. I do man. wish that people were a little <laughs> bit more focused with their rage in that regard, yeah. but I also don't know that it's necessarily my position to nitpick it. Well, cannabis is kind of interesting as well because so many African Americans have jail records and a hard time getting jobs because they have been arrested for cannabis in the past. That that was huge. We know about that, and so as a result, they get. They can't get a job, so they go into the illegal market, right? Because you got to work, you got to make money. Where are you going to make it if you can't do it legitimately? So, turning the community into lifelong criminals. And yeah, maybe there's just some kind of connection there as well that, 
you know, well, fuck you, we're going to take our weed. You know, it's like you have layers of shit. You have, a, you know, you have peaceful protesters, then you have people who want to incite shit, and then you have looters who aren't far behind who just want to, you know, get some get back from their perspective. You know, they want to get their hands on some of the shit that they feel like they've been kept away from them as a result of this unequal system. And I get that. I totally get that. It's hard to like look at it as a business owner and not feel personally attacked. I'm lucky that my shop, uh, my shop actually shut down in February right before coronavirus hit for completely unrelated reasons. And we were planning on starting another shop up, which has uh, been indefinitely pushed back. It's a challenge to like see that rage and to want to, you know, understand it as opposed to just like looking at it from a selfish perspective and thinking like, oh, this is fucked up. You're destroying shit in your own community. A lot. Uh, I look at a lot of those kids who are robbing those stores. And to me, it's like, I, I have a lot of faith in you. Like, I believe that you could be a guy who has a store on this block or you could start a store in your community. You could do something. For me, I have empathy for the, the shop owners now that I might not have had when I was 19. And I don't know. I guess that's part of what I find kind of sad about it is that it's like, I want to be somebody who could help show the same types of dudes who are looting the cookie store that they could be, you know, somebody who could really make something out of themselves. Yeah, and I think you will if you haven't already done so. I feel like, you know, you're a man who has been able to do so many different things, uh, you know, because you wanted to, uh, not because it was set out a path for you to follow. So you seem to go your own way. Yeah, I'm somebody who, you know, I look at people who run businesses or have jobs and I'm kind of in awe of them because I never got that. Like as a kid, that didn't really like make sense to me. Like, I remember after like, you know, selling drugs or scamming for a while, it kind of started to make sense to me. Like, oh, this is like having like other people when they start businesses, it's kind of like what I'm doing where I'm stealing shit and selling it on eBay. You know, I, I figured that out before I figured out the idea of like starting a business. Like the, the legal side of things always kind of made more sense to me. Right. Yeah, it's very appealing. It's, a, it's yeah. usually a good business model. Well, even speaking of the looting for a minute back there, because you probably heard, but it's certainly in New York, it's been the case where they would have kids on bikes scouting the area to make sure there were no cops around. Then they would call and then an SUV would show up. Five guys would pop out. They'd hit the store, clean it out, jump back into the cars and and get out of town, you know, Mm -hmm. where it was just purely organized, uh, you know, robbery basically taking place there. Uh, taking advantage of the situation. So, you know, at the same time, it's like, wow, that's pretty amazing uh, because people will see an opportunity and take it when it's there. Yeah, definitely. You can never really, like, assume that the same people who are, like, doing criminal acts, you can't really assume that they're uh, necessarily dummies. Like, in reality... Our cops and our military and our our National Guard, et cetera, who are the people that are like the most invested in protecting the country or whatever, have a very hard time stopping a lot of people who are basically just like street level criminals from doing the shit that they want to do. So it kind of says a lot about the ingenuity that that you'll find with uh, people who uh, break the law for a living. Well, it's sort of like comparing sort of an insurrection like a guerrilla war in a city uh, where, you know, the military can come in, but, you know, it's, it's that guerrilla war is not going to end. There's always going to be people who are, you know, infiltrating, getting, doing what they have to do, getting out. 
And this is kind of where we're at right now, it seems like we're at least today and, you know, hopefully uh, we'll still see some progress out of this as, as things quiet down because I don't know how much more people can take of, of all of this. Yeah, no, that's real. Like we talked about the pandemics, race war, and you have a show to do. You're like, you're like a producer, director. You look for guests, right? People want to book you. You want to book people. So who would you like to talk to right now that uh, you think would be on the top of your list? Um, that's a good question. If I was going to shoot for the stars, how about, how about we talk to Jay-Z? There we go. Jay-Z, your number one rapper of all time, as I heard. Um. Yeah. Did I say that? I, I agree with that. If I did say that, he's pretty up there. I mean, especially I have a book. Uh, fuck, I don't want to miss say the, the author's name. His last name's Tyson. Jay-Z book Tyson. I'm Googling it. Uh-huh. Uh, what, oh yeah. Michael Eric Dyson. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. He's great. Yeah. He has a book about Jay-Z that came out maybe a year or two ago. And I've been reading, I was reading that for a while and holy shit. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable the extent to which I was listening to Jay-Z as I was growing up and didn't really understand how important he was, you know, like uh, just didn't really like understand how many things that he did he was the first to do or how many things he said he was the first to say. Or even like I was, I was listening to Tupac the other day and I'm like, you know, this is the definition of me having taken an artist for granted as a young man. Whoa. Oh, he's still here. Who, Tupac? Oh, wait, no. Okay, sorry, my view changed. I thought that uh, you weren't on anymore. <laughs> I thought you were going, Tupac is still here. Uh, yeah, he Tupac, Tupac is gone, unfortunately. I thought you were <laughs> <Yeah>. gone. But <laughs> I was listening to Me Against the World the other day, and I'm like, dude, I was a young man listening to Tupac, not understanding that so much of this shit Tupac was the first person to say on a record and same thing with Jay-Z like you know the, the the hustler mentality is very much like a thing that he brought to the table that that wasn't really a thing until he came along there's a lot of other examples as well but yeah I mean, yeah you could get him man I don't see why not <laughs> have you tried if I were so him if, I might go somewhere else to do the interview but no, you know it would be the coolest thing for him to do is be your show I think because well, he could always get on the other shows. That's no big deal. Everybody wants him. Well, so if you see him around and you want to tell him that, <laughs> I would totally appreciate that. So thank you. So who else? How about Barack Obama? Ah, but I listened to him on a fucking... Um, I listened to him on Mark Marin, And... Oh, yeah? You know, I love, I love Obama. But it, I wouldn't say it was the best... He's a very guarded person in how he pre uh, presents himself uh, to the public. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't tend to give you much more than he needs to give you. It's a very presidential thing. We forget, uh, given our current presidential uh, status. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel, like I, I feel like I'm okay not having done the... I would love to have a conversation with Obama, but I feel like... Uh, how about Michelle? Michelle. I, d I just watched that documentary about her the other day. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that she is going to be Biden's running mate. Oh, really? I, I would love that. Yeah, I think that makes a little bit of sense. I think uh, it makes too much sense to happen. Almost, you know, it's sort of like it's the obvious move that no one's making. Yeah, I think that nobody, unfortunately, is is terribly excited about Joe Biden. And I think that were they to get somebody like Michelle Obama, I mean, they're going to have to get somebody who can engage the sort of progressive 
base. And uh, I mean, Joe Biden ain't the one to do it. Somebody like her, I don't think Amy Klobuchar is going to do it. I don't even know that Kamala is going to do it. People got too many legitimate grievances with her. I think Michelle Obama makes perfect sense, but does she want that job? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. I would totally understand if she did not. Yeah. So a lot of the people that you've interviewed and known have come to unfortunate endings, have died, right? Ex, Lil Peep, who have been on your show. And then in general, the whole scene, the rap scene, Nipsey Hussle, Pop Smoke, Juice World. What's going on? I mean, is that kind of something that is going to be going on forever? Because these are great, talented voices, potential to do so much. And yet uh, they wind up in the state. So is the thug life like still alive and well in the, in the hip hop community? That's part of what makes it so sad is that out of everybody you named, it's such different reasons for their passing. I mean, like you, you look at somebody like uh, Pop Smoke, I still really have no idea what to think of his passing, except that, you know, a lot of people might not be paying close enough attention to realize about a lot of the stuff that he was talking about in his songs and stuff. I mean, this guy was not a stranger to the streets at all, but I still don't understand how the fuck he got killed a couple of miles from my house when he's out doing his thing in New York. I still just haven't really wrapped my head around that. You know, the, the little peep situation, it's like the juice world situation. I feel like the labels are, are partially to blame. I feel like people, the culture itself is partially to blame. The culture that makes it seem sort of okay and normal for young kids to be like doing drugs. But yeah, I mean, it's all such different situations. I look at X's passing and it's kind of like, you know, what, what's the lesson to be learned there? Like, don't be a celebrity driving a, a fancy car around with a bag of money in the back because you might get robbed. I mean, that doesn't seem like a, a terribly relatable message for the, the youth. It's wild when I think about it. I wasn't up close and personal for a whole lot of death until the past few years. You know, I had people I went to high school with who were dying of drug overdoses like after I got out of high school. But, you know, it's nobody I was really that close with until really like the past five years. It can be really, really tough to deal with, really intense. And uh, I don't know. It's like if you don't, I don't have a lot of answers. I don't have a lot of, I, I still haven't been able to make much sense of it. Are you sometimes also scared for your own safety as, you know, becoming this public figure with extreme, you know, opinions and guests with extreme stories? I mean, I had a guy put a gun in my face, uh, so that sort of Oof. made me start reconsidering. But yeah. generally speaking, no, I'm not that worried about it. I mean, I go where I want to go and I do what I want to do and I don't, uh, I don't know. I've always been, uh, I've always been more than ready to protect myself. The idea of somebody shooting me doesn't really seem that scary. You got to move in such a way that you minimize the risk of these things happening. And uh, I feel like I've, I've got my bases covered for the most part. You figured that out. I mean, you, you know, you've, you've had to navigate the world on your own for a while, it sounds like, so you've done pretty well. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, I haven't really seen much reason to worry either I don't, I don't know people ain't really people aren't going as out of their way as they might want you to think to do what they think they're going to do <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i don't want to get too specific yeah but. no okay well that's cool I, one, one last question about podcasting again because you know 
when you started out, it was more about the guests, right? So you were trying to introduce this new world, and a lot of them had followers, and sort of you built on that. And now I'm wondering if it's become more about you. So you're the the story, and people tune in because of you more than they do because of the guest. And how has that affected you in terms of your future with regard to other possibilities in, in, in the media and entertainment worlds? It is a strange thing that's happened where at first when you're doing podcasts, it's like you're just a guy talking to people and nobody thinks that's all that noteworthy or whatever. And then over time, it becomes like a collab. Like They're excited to see you having a conversation with this person. You two on camera, that's the thing. Like It's not just about the guests and it's not just about you. It's about you two together. And that increases the pressure in a way because you feel like everybody who comes on your show, it becomes so much more of a thing where them just sitting next to you is all of a sudden like a, a, a decision to be made. And uh, yeah, it can be kind of crazy. Like we have a, a weekly podcast now that we've been doing for the last, uh, shit, we're on episode 45 and we do it pretty much every week. So we've been doing it for about a year, I guess that's just called the no jumper show. That's more focused on just us like me and a couple of my friends just hanging out and having conversations and stuff. And that's very much its own challenge is that challenge of like building rapport and finding a way to really build up a great uh, dynamic between people. So that's like a big thing that I find interesting and I'm trying to do more of that. I have like another co-host AD that we're about to start doing like a, a pretty consistent podcast together and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, sometimes, it, well, to be totally honest, there's a, an extent to which when I was getting into this game, I would have done all kinds of crazy shit just to be around Chief Keef. And now I'm in the position where, you know, I could probably hit Chief Keef and go hang out tonight. I've kind of got over a lot of the sort of clout chasing uh, stuff in terms of uh, making content where if you really want to like make content with rappers, you have to be willing to just ride out. You got to be there. You got to be down to be at somebody's house for eight hours. I'm not really in that position so much anymore where I'm so pressed to get an interview that I'm going to, you know, just go super out of my way and just be all crazy to try to get the interview or anything. I'm, I'm much more motivated now to find ways to be able to make content consistently week after week and not have to necessarily be like going and hanging out in some studio for a million hours to get somebody to get on camera with me or whatever. So yeah, that, that, that's a big thing that's, that's changed as well for me is just that I, I've become a different person and I have different priorities. And especially with something like the kid, it's like, you know, you're not going to be able to really be like a great dad if you're also like hanging out in the studio until three in the morning. So it's kind of part of like playing your role and knowing where you fit in and realizing that you have value outside of, uh, you know, necessarily just having to be there all the time. Well, thank you, Adam22. I'm really looking forward to see where you go from here. And I uh, really appreciate everything you do. So thank you for being on my show. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Light Culture. You can find us at shopburb.com forward slash light culture. Thanks again to Burb. And don't forget to subscribe and review wherever you get your podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions about the Light Culture podcast, reach out to me directly at David Reporting.